Welcome to The Sacramentalist, a podcast where the ancient Christian faith is brought to bear on issues prevalent in modern culture. We're your hosts. I'm Father Creighton McElveen. And I'm Father Hayden Butler. Today we are uh, recording our episode without Father Wes. Um, Father Wes has had a tough week, uh, so keep him in your prayers. Um, today, though, on our episode, we are joined by Father Matt Harlow. Uh, Father Matt is the canon to the ordinary in the Diocese of the Eastern United States, Anglican Province of America, and he is the rector of Christ the Redeemer in Fort Valley, Georgia. Uh, he was also at St. Barnabas, uh, where I got to know him very well. Um, and in this episode, we're going to discuss a very interesting topic. Uh, we're going to discuss exorcisms. Um, specifically, Father is going to tell us about an experience in his own parish. Father, thanks for joining us. Sure, thank you for having me. We're, we're excited about uh, jumping into this conversation. I think it's definitely gonna be interesting. And I know when we posted on the Discord uh, that we were going to be having you on to talk about this topic, there was definitely some interest there. Uh, so I think the best place to start is uh, just telling us what what happened at your parish. Sure. Well, um, first off, let me describe what the parish looks like. Uh, we are uh, seven acres, and it was an old uh, pecan. Uh, uh, we had a, a lot of pecan trees, an old pecan farm. We had a farmhouse and a barn, and it's about one acre wide and seven acres deep. So kind of think of you know, football field wide, and it goes back seven acres. Um, we have since built a church, and I'm in the church right now. In the church, the parking lot and the parish hall are kind of in the first third. They're about the first uh, two acres. And then we have, we've got the field and a barn, and we use the barn as a thrift shop. And in the field, we've got, uh, you know, playground equipment and that kind of thing. It's you know, it's about another two acres, um, and that's behind the uh, the parish hall. And then behind that, we have a fenced area. We've got a gate that's behind the barn, and we've got the back third, which is basically uh, woods and uh, uh, some field that's overgrown. So that's uh, kind of the layout of this parish. And I've been here since 2015. And when I first got here, of course, and uh, Father Creighton and I were talking about some of the challenges of first arriving at a uh, parish. And one of the interesting things I found when I first got here was a pewter ciborium. And uh, we, I, I've since installed a tabernacle, but we all we had was an ombre at the time. And in the ombre was this pewter um, ciborium. And uh, I think the way that my predecessor used it was kind of as a bread box, because when I first saw the altar guild doing their work, and I, I think I was just a guest at this point, uh, they, were, they, were, they would put new fresh hosts from the, uh, from the sacristy into this and then put it in the in the ombre and so I, I i just gathered it's it's not how i uh 
you know, learned how to, to do that, but uh, the, probably they were just using it as a bread box. And so what I did was uh, I took it out of circulation. I, I, I cleansed it. I actually consumed everything that was in it. I wasn't sure if it was consecrated or not. Um, so I consumed all the hosts that were in it and, um, and then uh, took it out of circulation. I, I cleaned it in the sacristy and, um, and I put it in my office and it was in my office for over eight years. <laughs> uh, it had moved. Uh, uh, I'd moved it uh, a couple of times. At one point, it was in my desk. Another point, it was in uh, in a in the closet. And it's just one of those things. You have a ciborium. What am I going to do with it? I don't really, you know. I've brought my own ciborium. I have my own chalice and patten. Uh, this one you know, pewter wasn't particularly attractive and I just didn't know anything about it. So, um, and I wanted to, I always knew that I, I wanted to bury it at some point, but you know how things go. Um, you just, uh, one thing leads to another and eight years later, you still have a ciborium in your office. Um, and so uh, that is kind of the background on the ciborium. Unknown provenance. I don't know you know, where it came from. I, I don't know exactly what it was used for. Uh, my suspicion was it was used as a bread box. Um, but like I said, I consumed all the, the hosts and, and went ahead and, uh, um, you know, properly cleaned it and uh, took it out of circulation. Uh, so fast forward eight years and we're having a parish work day. And this is August 26th of 2023 having a parish-wide work day. And uh, we have some old Paschal candles in the sacristy. And they asked me what to do with them. I said, well, let's just go bury them out back. And then the light bulb went off. Oh, hey, I've had a ciborium in my office for, for uh, you know, eight years that I've wanted to, to bury um, here on the parish grounds. Uh, let's do that. So there was uh, a group of men um, uh, four of us all together, uh, I, I gathered them. They were uh, just standing around looking like they needed something to, to do type thing. You know how work days go. And so I said, grab a shovel and follow me. We're going to bury some, bury these things. And uh, so that's what we did. And we actually went behind the barn to that back third of, of the parish, back where the woods are and the overgrown field. You have to actually unlock a gate to get through there. Um, and so I, I, I took them back there and, uh, several of the men with, with shovels, uh, dug a hole for, uh, the, the Paschal candles from previous years, the little stumpy Paschal candles that, uh, were wonderful, but, you know, we needed to do something with them. Um, and, uh, the ciborium, and we actually buried them in two different holes, the, the men with the shovels dug a, a wide hole for, for the uh, uh, Paschal candles. And then uh, uh, we had actually uh, my assisting priest had a, a, a post hole digger and he dug a hole with that because that actually fit pretty well for the ciborium. And so he used that and we buried the ciborium about 10 feet away from where we buried the um the Paschal candles. So that was uh, August 26th, a Saturday. And um, 
didn't think anything else of it. And uh, and I did take pictures of that because I, you know, uh, amongst the many hats, of course, I'm the editor of our parish newsletter. And and I like getting pictures of everything that we're doing around the parish on workday. And so I had a, a handful of, uh, you know, pictures from that day. And I took pictures of uh, uh, of us bearing those items. Didn't didn't think about it again. Uh, let's fast forward um, to a month later uh, to September 26, and this was a Tuesday morning. And uh, I, our schedule here, our, our typical schedule around the parish is Tuesday morning. We have a 9 a.m. morning prayer, and then we have a Bible study. So I get here about eight before uh, anyone else uh, arrives at the parish. And so I got here about eight and I was, uh, I, I come into the parish first, I put my cassock on, then I go to the parish hall and uh, uh, that's my routine. So, uh, and I take my books and everything and get all set up for, for Bible study. I come in, I, I get my cassock on and I go outside and I hear uh, what sounds like someone whistling at me. The the whistle, I'm not a good whistler, but the whistle is the type that if you're trying to get somebody's attention or get someone to come over here, you know, just a pretty basic, um, sorry about that. Sorry about my whistling skills. Um, never a great whistler, but uh, I heard that, right? And if you hear that, I mean, that's pretty distinctive. That's someone trying to get your attention. And so, you know, okay, you know, someone around here and uh, it, it kept it kept occurring and it seemed to be changing location like I couldn't pinpoint it uh where it was coming from and uh and it, so that was that was odd and I spent uh probably about five minutes walking around because I I was sure that that you know wasn't it didn't sound like I mean a mockingbird can do whatever it wants but it didn't sound I'd never heard a mockingbird do that and then, you know, move around and, 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 and whatnot. So I was, again, I was outside, I was between the church and our parish hall, and that's about a, a 30 foot uh, uh, span. And, uh, you know, just kind of going back and forth, trying to figure out, you know, someone whistling at me. I don't think anybody's around here, um, but we have, you know, and I've been here about nine years, and we're right on Highway 41. Uh, if you're an Almond Brothers fan, you'd recognize that. Uh, we're right on Highway 41. And so we have a lot of transients. We do have a lot of people that, you know, are riding a bike down to Florida or leaving Florida and, you know, just going up and down um, uh, the highway. And uh, we ha I have seen uh, evidence before of people who have who've camped out. Um, I've, you know, found uh, litter. I found, you know... Uh, bars of soap and an old towel next to <laughs> next to a, a hose. Um, we have uh, uh, we have exterior uh, outlets, which uh, is popular because they can recharge their 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 phones while they're uh, on their journey. So it's uh, it's not something I've seen a lot of, but probably half a dozen over the last you know eight nine years uh, of evidence of. of you know, someone had been, you know, probably stayed the night on our ground, seven acres off of Highway 41. And um, so I, I, you know, I thought 
when I was looking around that that's a possibility that there's somebody, you know, who had, who had, you know, uh, stayed overnight um, and might be in distress or something. Although I didn't think it sounded like a distress call. It sounded like trying to get my attention and it varied in, in, in pitch, but the ascent, the essential sound was, you know, a, a call to get, to get my attention. And I, I certainly thought it was odd. Uh, and I, I've never spent five minutes walking around my parish trying to find somebody because I, I'm hearing, you know, uh, uh, whistling to, to get my attention. Uh, but, you know, the, the, the work of the parish priest must go on. I had morning prayer uh, in, in a half an hour, and I had Bible study after that. So um, after I felt like I had done all I could to, to uh, trace down the, the source of that whistling, I uh, uh, went into the parish hall, got set up, went about the rest of my day. Uh, no other occurrences, nothing else odd happening. So that's the, the Tuesday, the 26th, I believe. Uh, the next day, Wednesday, the 27th, our parish schedule is we have an evening mass at 6 p.m. So I usually come in after after lunch. Um, and so this is the 27th, Wednesday, and I do that. I come in uh, about one and I'm working in my office, you know, just doing everything, uh, bulletins or whatnot. And uh, uh, again, I, I hadn't really much thought about the, the whistling episode. Um, but I look out my back window so I can see from my window in the parish, my back window uh, in the parish hall, I can, I can see uh, that someone's at the barn uh, and I recognize them, my old junior warden. And uh, he and his wife, you know, work in the, in the uh, thrift shop in there. And so it's not uncommon. I, uh, I saw that they're back there, knew they're you know, doing something for the thrift shop, getting it, uh, you know, ready. It's open on Fridays and Saturdays. And uh, so I saw them. I wanted to take a break, you know, from from bulletins or, uh, and and thought I'd go back there and 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 just, uh, you know, say hi. And so I did. And I, I saw my my old junior warden. And uh, and when I saw him, I it, it just kind of popped in my mind because he and I had had before seen evidence of of, you know, transients, uh, you know, um, uh, around the, the parish ground. And, uh, and so when I saw him, it, it, I kind of thought, oh yeah, yesterday, that was so odd. And so I asked him, I said, did you see any evidence around the parish of someone uh, having stayed here and camped out here? And uh, uh, knowing that he would know essentially what I was talking about because we've seen that kind of evidence before. And he said, no, but you know that thing you buried I said, uh, you know, it took me a second. You know that thing you buried out back? And I said, you mean the ciborium? It looks kind of like a, the chalice, a ciborium. He said, he said, yeah. He said, that, that got dug up and thrown on the ground. And, uh, and I said, uh, and I just, I immediately actually in my mind kind of connected it to the day before. I thought that's, not right um because uh you know just really quickly uh you know kind of going through all of the possibilities none of the possibilities made a lot of sense to me of how that could have occurred um so i i i said well i want to go back 
go back there and I'd and look and see, you know, what this is. And he he told me that it had happened between because he'd been back there the on Sunday afternoon and hadn't seen it at least. Uh, and if you go through the gate, it's actually it was fairly obvious if you go through the gate. So he didn't see it on Sunday, but he did. Uh, he he had seen it uh, earlier on Wednesday, and um, so sometime between Sunday and Wednesday, this this had occurred. And so I I open the gate, I go through, and I look at the hole, and I look at the where the ciborium is, and um, and then I get down on my hands and knees, and I the the hole is probably uh, 24 inches deep, 36 inches deep, but um, I'm looking to see if if there's any evidence of, of how this hole is dug, um, either some sort of uh, claw marks, like a, like a dog would leave, um, or, you know, the straight edged, you know, cutting of a, of a shovel or a spade or something like that. And I don't see either one. And the other odd thing is I don't see any residual dirt. It's just a hole. There's no um, loose dirt. So, you know, if a dog does it, he kicks it up behind him and you'll have a little pile of, of, of loose dirt. Or even if you're using a shovel, you're going to have, you know, loose dirt somewhere. But uh, I couldn't, uh, I couldn't tell uh, how that hole was made. And, uh, and I go to the ciborium and, and I start taking pictures because I'm immediately concerned. Um, and the ciborium has been wrenched. It's pewter, it's soft. It wouldn't take a lot of pressure, but it is in fact, uh, wrenched and and bent um, at, at an odd angle. One of the things I, I I looked at immediately when I picked up the ciborium was if the lid was still intact. And interestingly enough, uh, a crucifix on it had been uh, peeled back, but was still on. But the lid had the lid was was closed, and no evidence of it being opened and reclosed I it, it was sealed and and um uh because I had to actually you know get you know how you kind of get your fingernails underneath and to, to pop it open and uh, I was able to do that but it took some force so I I I assumed that the the lid had not been opened um so what I do is I take this boring back to my office and I uh I'm, I think I text the bishop that uh, I, I want to talk to him <laughs> this e this evening after mass because I've got a six o'clock mass, and uh, and so I I leave the ciborium now that's been exhumed uh, in my in my office, and so what I do is I after mass I go home I talk to the bishop and the bishops we we talk through you know the provenance of that item. And uh, the, the I, I say, I, I just don't know. And then we start talking, interestingly, about uh, the consecration of this ground. And I say, I don't know, you know, if we have um, had any sort of a, a, a blessing or, you know, beating of the bounds back 
back there, back past that gate. We don't use that. You know, we own that property, but we don't we don't use it for anything. I'd I'd love to at some point, you know, uh, uh, um, expand to back there, but we're we're just not there yet. Um, and so we we talk through those things, and um, and we we agree that uh, that this could be uh, you know something infernal. Um, that this could be uh, um, some sort of demonic activity either associated with the ciborium itself but as i told the bishop and i i never felt anything with that and it was in my office for eight years i never uh um i never felt that you know there was anything attached to, to that item and i've been in close proximity with it for, for for a long time um or perhaps with this property and maybe that property you know back there um that that there was something attached to 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 that um so uh i actually uh after the bishop and i i asked the bishop if i could uh speak with a with a deacon who i knew has a lot of experience with this and has been experienced in a deliverance ministry um and so i asked the bishop for permission uh, a mutual friend of ours, if I could speak with that deacon about this. And he, the bishop uh, thought that that was a good idea. And so um, when I got off the phone with the bishop, this is still Wednesday night, um, the day that I have, that I found the ciborium. Um, I text uh, some of those pictures uh, to the, to the deacon. And he's, uh, he uh, called me immediately um, without hardly any context or anything, uh, just from looking at the pictures of what had occurred. And uh, he, he thought that, um, that this was demonic activity, uh, possibly. Um, and, and it's certainly how I felt, because I, I, couldn't, uh, I, I couldn't rationalize how that uh, ciborium was exhumed uh, I don't know of a of an animal in middle Georgia that's attracted to pewter. Um, there was no smells about it that would have had meat or something. I mean, it it had been out of circulation for eight years and it had been you know properly cleansed and it at at most it ever held was a was you know host. Um, so there's nothing to the smell that an animal would know exactly where to dig and to pull this up. And the location of it, as far as like having somebody, I've I've never seen the the whole. You know, sometimes we we see homeless people around here. I've never seen anyone back way back there. Um, it, it's always up around here where all the the lights are, the water is, the electricity. There's nothing back there but woods, and uh, uh, so I I'd never seen anybody back there, and no one would know where to dig. I actually went and looked at where we had buried the Paschal candles just to see the that area had been completely undisturbed. And it was hard to tell, maybe not uh, impossible to tell if you knew exactly where to look that that because it, it was a month later, right? So um, that that area had been dug up, but it was, you know, pretty uh, difficult to tell, even though I knew where where the Paschal candles were were dug. So, 
if if a person were to do it, they would have had to have known where that was. And I mean, nobody in my parish, uh, you know, even has the time to do that or, or the desire or especially, you know, the handful of people that that had, uh, you know, knowledge of, of where that was. That just doesn't make any sense. Um, so I spoke with the bishop, I spoke with this deacon, and it was agreed that uh, an exorcism around the parish grounds would be appropriate uh, using the, the, the Leonine uh, minor exorcism. And, uh, and I, I felt, you know, I felt good about that. And, and, you know, it's one of those things, it, it, it's, it's a great prayer. It's a wonderful prayer. And if there is something of a demonic activity, um, it, it, it's great to, to pray this exorcism around the grounds of the parish. Um, and even if it's not, there's nothing wrong with walking around your parish and praying. And uh, so it's kind of win-win. Um, so that was Wednesday night. That was uh, the the plan of the plan of action. Uh, my my first thought was to wait till the weekend. Let's you know it's going to be hard to get anyone here to help me with an exorcism to to do these prayers to use to do everything that we wanted to do with incense and and holy water and 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 uh and these things uh i didn't want to you know drag people out you know on a on a thursday night uh you know all all of my parishioners work and 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 everything so that was kind of in the back of my mind i'm going to try to see if people are available maybe saturday morning and we'll we'll do this we'll walk around the parish we'll we'll say our prayers and we'll we'll have a little uh you know, beating of the bounds uh, type thing, um, uh, a procession with prayer and incense. Uh, but I didn't really want to like super inconvenience anybody. So I, I uh, Thursday morning, I get to the, I, I get here to the parish. And with that in mind, you know, I'm going to start this process, start reaching out to, to people and, and uh, uh, telling them, you know, asking them if they could come. And, and participate. I wanted my assisting priest, uh, I wanted my deacon, and I wanted my senior warden especially. Well, he's a friend, but he is a, an outdoorsman, and I really wanted him to take a look at the hole because he, he uh, you know, hunts animals with, with a bow and arrows, and he goes out and he stalks them, you know, so he's a real outdoorsman. I, 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 I'm not. I mean, you know, i that hole didn't look like anything I had seen before, but uh, I wanted I wanted my my senior warden to take a look at it too. Um, so get here Thursday morning, same routine. I go into uh, the sacristy, put my cassock on. I'm the only person here at the parish, and then I head uh, across the sidewalk to the um, to the parish hall where my office is. Uh, I start hearing. Uh, the sound of wood cracking, kind of like when, uh, you know, timber, when you hear uh, a, a tree fall or, or crack in the middle or, you know, a big branch. Um, I start hearing these wood sounds from that exact area, from from behind the, the, the thrift shop. There, you've got the gate and then you've got kind of the woods. And from there, I start hearing that and, uh, you know, okay, this that's odd. 
And so I actually go and start walking in that direction and it starts getting really loud and um, to the point that uh, the noises weren't corresponding to what I was visually seeing. Uh, it sounded like the trees right in front of me. And in fact, it sounded to me like the beams in the barn were, were busting. And that's kind of orally what I was hearing, but visually I wasn't seeing anything. Um, and I, you know, in my spirit, I felt that that was antagonistic. I felt this is uh, purposeful and, um, and I don't want to wait till this weekend. <laughs> I want to see if, if these men are available and I want to do this exorcism now because I, I feel like this is, um, you know, uh, uh, challenging and menacing. And so, uh, so I do, I, I get, on, I get on the phone and I mean, you know, we've never done anything like this. And so I, I you know, kind of self-consciously, I suppose, uh, uh, preface each phone call. Okay. You might think this is crazy, but I want to do an exorcism tonight. And this is why. Um, and to a man, all of them said, yes, <laughs> you know, let's do this. Let's do this. And so, uh, what, uh, had been recommended by, uh, the bishop and the deacon was to do this exorcism first, um, to use incense, to use holy, uh, water, blessed salt to go through each of the, to go through the church, every room in the church, parish hall, thrift shop, uh, first, praying these prayers in procession, and then to uh, go along the boundaries of the parish outside, and and uh, and to do uh, say these prayers uh, uh, while processing, and with the crucifix, um, with a thurible, and uh, with an aspergillium, and a, a basin for holy water, and so that's what the four of us uh, did. And um, we also uh, had, well, I should go back and, and say that the ciborium was in my office that night, uh, Wednesday night to Thursday. I did bring it back into the church Thursday morning after, uh, after you know, uh, experiencing, you know, these odd sounds outside. Um, and uh, the bishop wanted me to uh, to uh, use holy oil to chrismate it and to uh, uh, have have that kind of re, uh, you know, he gave me permission to re-consecrate re it, basically. Um, and so I did that. I, and I, I put a I put a veil over it and left it in our chapel. And uh, I went to the local, the local, uh, Roman uh, parish, they have a uh, a bookstore, and I I got sixteen Saint Benedict medals from them, and I brought them back, and so now I guess uh, at this point, and I'd already called uh, the men who all agreed to come later on that evening at five thirty, and so now we're probably about lunchtime, about noon one, and I'm here at the parish again by by myself, and um. 
And I start preparing for the exorcism uh, by uh, blessing and exercising the, the water and the salt. So we have a, a, a big container of, of water and, uh, and, and some, some blessed salt. So I begin, you know, using, you know, the priest manual and going through all of that, doing all of that in, in, in the chapel and blessing the, the, the medals, the St. Benedict medals um, that we're going to use after the exorcism. And so I'm doing all this in my chapel and I do uh, here at the doors of, of the parish, I'm, I'm here in the church and actually I'm uh, facing my chapel right now. It's, um, and, uh, and I'm in here and the doors of the church start r rattling like someone's, you know, seeing if they can get in uh, to the, the church. And I'm the only one here and I can, even though it's stained glass, by shadows and whatnot, I can usually tell when someone has driven and parked in the parking lot. I, you know, see the shadows through the stained glass windows. Um, and I was pretty sure that nobody was here and nobody had driven up. And and I, I thought this was, you know, a part of what is going on is we're preparing for this exorcism and um, the doors of the parish are, are, are rattling. And, um, and you know, I, I just felt like it was a, a purposeful distraction. And so I, I kept going about my business of preparing for the exorcism. The, the, the men uh, showed up and we, uh, we met in the, in the chapel. I had everything prepared. We did the confidior uh, together and with absolution. And my assisting priest uh, uh, gave me absolution and we we set up we set out and we we went through the buildings we went through uh the uh through the parish grounds um with this uh leo the 13th rite um of minor exorcism uh after that we went to uh, the corners of each building into the corners of the parish grounds themselves and uh we prayed and we uh, we buried the the uh, blessed medals of Saint Benedict um, throughout the parish. Uh, then we uh, dug a deeper hole in a more secure place around the parish, um, and we reburied the ciborium. And that was the eve of Michaelmas, and. One of the really interesting things about this, and of course the Michaelmas, you know, uh, epistle uh, begins, you know, there's war in heaven and, uh, you know, Michael and his archangel fought against the dragon and his angel and, there's, you know, the dragon prevailed not. Um, as I heard from other priests uh, that they had seen an uptick, you know, leading up to Michaelmas of, uh, of, uh, maybe spiritual activity. Um, I don't know. I don't know if anyone else has experienced that, but I certainly, it certainly wasn't lost on me that we did, we had the exorcism on Michaelmas Eve. And um, from that moment on, it, it was peaceful. Uh, one really interesting witness and testimony. Uh, I told you the, the thrift shop is open on Fridays and, and, uh, 
Saturdays and they were open on you know Michaelmas on that Friday and uh, a, a woman came in and I, I wasn't back there I was in my office but uh, one of the ladies who a parishioner who works back there told me uh, uh, about this and she you know wasn't aware of you know the exorcism I I didn't you know it wasn't something I broadcast or anything and it happened pretty quickly you know from a Tuesday to a Thursday but she came and told me that my parishioner who was working in the barn that a, a lady had come in that she hadn't uh, seen before and the lady had you know kind of looked around you know the parish grounds and it was a it was a beautiful day that Michaelmas uh here in middle Georgia and uh the woman commented uh that uh that it's peaceful around here now. Um, and, uh, and so my parishioner, you know, I, you know, it's a nice compliment, uh, you know, told me, and I just thought that, that was uh, an interesting phrasing, all things uh, that had been occurring, uh, you know, I could see, you know, saying it's a nice day, isn't it? Or, you know, uh, sure is a blue sky this morning, but uh, making an observation, it was just, uh, you know, another one of those kind of uh, odd things of um, uh, that, that, you know, she would just feel the peace there um, the very next day. Uh, so that's kind of been, that was, that's what happened. Uh, and, uh, and again, yeah, so since then, that was Michaelmas 2023. Uh, since then, uh, no, none of those incidents you know, that occurred, uh, have, have been there. And I'll admit, I mean, I've been pretty hypersensitive <laughs> at times, especially when I'm by myself on the parish and it's, you know, it's nighttime, maybe I'm, you know, closing up and it's after the evening mass or something, I'm the only one here. Uh, I never felt scared, but I did feel, I don't know, antagonized, challenged. Um, and, uh, and I have been hypersensitive, like to sounds, you know, what is, what, what is this? What is this? And I haven't, I haven't heard, you know, anything that, that would make me, you know, there was the same pattern, uh, same, you know, kind of purposefulness, I guess, of, of, of what happened during that time. Um, so uh, I did write a report for the Bishop. I wanted it to be on the diocesan file. I mean, after speaking with them, because I, I think it's very uh, possible that the other uh, priests might encounter this, uh, might encounter something similar. So I wanted to at least document, uh, uh, you know, while it was fresh in my mind, what occurred and what we did and what the outcome was. And so it could be a resource um, for others. Uh, and so, so I did uh, document everything, sent in, you know, all the pictures that that I had taken uh, uh, for that. So, I, in the final analysis, I tried to, you know, it's one of those interesting things. Everything that occurred could have a perfectly natural, not supernatural, but perfectly natural explanation. Uh, you could say something, you know, dog or, you know, dug that up. It certainly didn't look like it. Um, it certainly doesn't make sense that a dog would dig that up, drag it 10 yards away, wrench it, <laughs> um, and, uh, 
and leave it there. That doesn't make a lot of sense, but you know, it, it's possible. The the sounds, you know, the the whistling, you know, maybe a, a escaped, uh, you know, a parrot or something or mockingbird or something. But it it, it didn't. It, it, I don't think so. I, um, and again, with with the the uh, the crashing sounds in the woods and and the breaking of beam sounds. You know, when you're in in an area with with buildings and a forest, you can get echoes. You can hear things that are occurring, you know, a, a long distance away. Uh, so you certainly could, you know, uh, see these things. But, uh, you know, for all of them to happen, bam, 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 that I'd never experienced around my parish at all. And I've been here, you know. Uh, every, you know, most days over the last nine years, but over those three days to experience things that I'd never experienced before uh, was was um, interesting. So, I um, I it, it what I believe happened. Um, you know, there's there's um, certainly different uh, takes on it that would be possible. I, I believe that that, um, that that back portion of our property, which had never been, which was fenced off, never used for anything with the church, um, had not been blessed um, or consecrated prior to me. Um, and I, I believe that when we buried that ciborium, and I, I asked the bishop, you know, I was, did I do something wrong here? Um, I believe when we buried the ciborium back there, that something noticed that um, this is a holy item. Again, I didn't know much about the provenance before, but I, I, I treated it as if it had been a consecrated ciborium. And I, my intention was to bury it on consecrated ground, um, but I, you know, and it's interesting. You go back and you read, you know, scripture, especially I think of, uh, you know, Job one. You know, Satan, you know, comes up into the heavenly courts, and you know, what have you been doing? Well, I've just been walk, you know, going to and fro on the earth, and so, you know, I certainly believe in, you know, demonic entities and these spiritual powers um and i i think i think i think one of them came across this and it was an opportunity it kind of a, a crime of opportunity that uh, for you know and you know we don't know the the spiritual realm you know you see this in 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 scripture and you see this in tobit you see it in uh, Daniel, uh, you know, you, you see it in Job. There's rules to the spiritual realm. We don't know them. <laughs> we don't. We know some of them. We know a part of them. And of course, the church has been given the sacraments and the sacramentals and and these tools and these prayers. But we don't know, you know, the ins and outs of the rules. But there's, you know, there's 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 rules in the spiritual realm. And I think that, you know, for whatever reason, this. Uh, the ciborium, you know, attracted uh, uh, something, 
a, 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 a demonic uh, entity, and it was exhumed, and then, uh, you know, it, kind of in a mocking fashion, uh, you know, it was desecrated, and uh, and then I was kind of antagonized as the priest of the of the parish. Um, that's how I felt about it. I, I told my wife about it Wednesday, Wednesday night, you know, when I talked to the bishop and I spoke with the deacon. And I said, I was telling her at that point, it was just the day before. Uh, I was telling her, you know, about the whistling. Um, and, you know, I hadn't gotten to Thursday yet where I heard, you know, the the, the crashing and all of this and, and the shaking of the parish doors. But so so far, all I'd seen is the ciborium exhumed and in, in the whistling and I was I was telling I, I couldn't put my finger on it she she did the best job I said it you know it was it was coming from different angles and I was walking around and kind of chasing my tail and but it, I, I said it, it it seemed like there was an intelligence behind it and it seemed like it was trying to get my attention and she said she put it into better words than than I did she said it was like someone was saying I can see you but you can't see me and I said, that's how I felt that morning um, when I had, uh, you know, when I was walking around my parish going, why, who's whistling at me? So uh, I, I think um, in, in hindsight, I think, you know, uh, that bearing that ciborium um, in that area, that that area perhaps had not been uh, properly blessed. Um, even though, you know, according to the county, it's our property, uh, perhaps it, it hadn't been blessed. Uh, I, I, I just don't know. Um, but uh, having, you know, d done the exorcism, it took about an hour and a half, two hours to do, to, you know, walk the entire, all, all of the buildings, to walk the, the, the parish grounds, to, um, you know, to walk then after the exorcism to to bury these um blessed medals of saint benedict and to say prayers along the, the boundaries and borders of our parish going all the way back all seven acres uh we went you know we tromped through the woods um uh you know have, having done that and then reburied the 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 ciborium um you know it's been peaceful just like just like our visitor on Friday uh, on Michaelmas said, this, it's peaceful here now. <laughs> and I agree. Uh, it's been peaceful here now uh, since then. So that, uh, that, I think, to the best of my memory, which, you know, isn't what it, oh, what it used to be, <laughs> uh, is, is what occurred. Um, so I hope, I hope that covered, I hope that covered it. I hope that, um, brought everybody up to speed no I, I think i think it did it's a it's a it's a fascinating situation i mean one of the things that i always like to point out is there's there's no such thing as neutral ground uh and in the case of your parish i mean like we can think of that literally right there's li literally no neutral ground here that um what the church does is consecrate and set aside um you know the kingdom of heaven in the world and the enemy does not want that to happen and i think uh you know we can see this like uh one of the things 
from TV and movies, we, we tend to associate sort of demonic activity with that very overt possession that we see in say like the exorcist um, or movies like that. Um, that's not the only thing that happens, right? There's, there's possession, there's oppression, there's infestation. You can have a demonic fixation or an obsession that can lead you to uh, greater engagement with those spiritual entities. Um, demons can be associated with places and things. And, you know, um, we, we encounter these sorts of realities in the world. And maybe in the Western world, we're a little bit more just generally desensitized. And so we kind of don't see how significant the spiritual world is around us. Um, but, you know, I, th I think the idea that, you know, you went out to, to um, properly sort of, you know, retire a, a consecrated item, which is what we do with holy things. They don't, they don't go back into um, sort of temporal or, um, you know, uh, mundane service after they have been used um, in the church. And yeah, I think, I think you doing that, something responded and wanted to push back against the fact that, you know, the church, the church is this um, refuge and this, the, this place where holiness is supposed to kind of radiate from um, which is why we set aside the church and consecrate it. It's hallowed ground. Uh, it's an embassy of heaven kind of here and now. Uh, it's an interesting. It's an interesting story. And uh, just to go back, you know, I talked about my, uh, my senior warden. I did have, you know, the other three men, I wanted them all to, to, to get down and look at that hole and uh, to a man and uh they're all very, you know, hunter, you know, we're all you know, from the South here, uh, you know, hunters and everything to a man that they, they couldn't uh, explain uh, how that hole was made um, or, or what had made it and, and had ever seen a hole quite, you know, that was just no, no residual dirt, no markings one way or the other, a man nor beast. Um, uh, they agreed. So it wasn't just, you know, Fa Father Matt, who doesn't, you know, spend a whole lot of time outdoors. <laughs> Another thing that stood out as I was hearing your story, Father Matt, is um, just the kind of the ordering of things and the and the situating, you know, your, your process, your method really, I think, is exemplary um, when it comes to this. Uh, you know, first of all, you know, there's I think there's there's a tendency to either, um, you know, to say, oh, well, those things don't really happen anymore. You know, those things don't really aren't really that those categories of the spiritual world don't really obtain. But then the opposite is to sensationalize and to, you know, say like, oh, well, there's something hiding around every corner, every creek in the building is actually this thing. And and it's what, what I what I observed in your account is a really is a remarkably measured response to this that. Um, even in the course of a decisive action and conducting a, an exorcism, um, still left room. Like you just said, I had every man to a man check out the hole to see if there was, a, a, you know, to see what they thought about this. And 
subjecting it to second opinion, subjecting this to natural explanation, um, you know, while not at the same time, you know, doing so in order to deny the existence of the, the possibility that this was what was happening. The, the other dimension of that that stood out in your story was, um, you know, something that, that I think, you know, doesn't get talked about enough when it comes to spiritual warfare or exorcism, which is, um, you know, the authority of your bishop under which you placed yourself. Um, and that's a significant thing. You know, you, you got on, you got on the, on the phone with your bishop right away and um, asked his permission and set yourself under his authority and, you know, took his direction and you didn't take this upon your shoulders um, as a, as a, as an, as an independent agent, you're, you know, our ministries as priests, you know, they are, they're united to the ministries of our bishop and we are, we are, you know, we're subject to them and, and, and we are submitted to them in, a, in that way. And, um, you know, I think, I think that there's a, a, a it's a case study in um, making uh, decisions of a grave matter um, as a parish priest is, is, is letting the charism of our bishop's consecrations, uh, you know, you know, illuminate us and and to and to and to direct us in in all godly matters and to be obedient to them in that. And I, and then to seek out advice from someone who has experience in this, it's um, it's not often how I see I've seen in the past. Uh, you know, people treat the spiritual realm. Sometimes it's just you know, I went to I went to a Bible college where at the moment I was there, there was a real fixation on the demonic, um, and it was too often that. Um, you know, a sophomore undergraduate would just be like, well, let's get some buddies from our dorm together and go do an exorcism on someone. And it's like, um, this is a really serious thing. If we if we confess that these things are real, then we have to treat them um, as real and grave things. Um, and they they demand that kind of serious treatment and that methodical treatment. I just, that stood out and I, I just, I find it commendable. So, I, and, and I think that our listeners could probably, you know, meditate on that. Um, and and consider that they participate in this economy of grace and uh, in their in their place in the church and uh, and that those are real relations that come to bear when it comes to prudential decision making like this. So I appreciated that about your story. Well, thank you. Um, well, you're you're exactly uh, right as far as you know. It can be a preoccupation. Um, I've. You know, in in my ministry as a priest, you know, you come, uh, of course, uh, you come across people uh, who, you know, uh, have you know concerns. You know, my my house haunted, or 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 or, or this or that, um, and and some are you know serious concerns. Um, we do have a chain of command, and just like we were saying, there's. Uh, rules to the spiritual world that we're not 100% aware of, uh, you know, the church has tools, and we have the sacraments and sacramentals, and we have, uh, you know, of course, yes, the bishop, the diocesan bishop is, you know, the exorcist of his diocese, and he can delegate that, he can have a, a diocesan, uh, you know, exorcist, or, but uh, he is the the supreme exorcist of his own diocese. Um, I I wanted to you know I didn't want to sensationalize this. I I did I never um, you know made a if anyone in my parish asked or if it you know would come up naturally, we talk about it. But it's nothing that I you know wanted to um, you know get people 
you know, um, worked up or excited about. Uh, that is one of the things I think about a spiritual warfare, if you will, that um, I, I think the demonic wants to distract. Um, you know, the 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 ministry of a parish priest is to visit the sick and to care for, you know, the the cure of souls of, of your parishioners. And that involves going to the hospital, that involves going to their homes, that involves studying scripture, that involves, you know, everything that a parish priest involves. And, and I think the demonic sometimes uh, would, you know, want to distract you. And let's, you know, let's go off on this fanciful, you know, and just chase your tail. Um, and uh, so I've impressed, I, you know, I, I've had, uh, you know, uh, men who wanted to look into holy orders, uh, you know, to perhaps, uh, you know, uh, become an aspirant or a postulant and, but, you know, ha have something of a, uh, of a preoccupation with this. And it's like, you know, it's, it's not, as Father Creighton was saying, you know, the parish priest, it's not the movies. We're not, you know, going in and, you know, Linda Blair and pea soup and all of this. Um, it is, it is going to the hospital and visiting the, you know, your, your, your 80 year old parishioner who just had a hip replacement. It is, you know, bulletins, <laughs> newsletters. Uh, um, it, it's, it's those mundane things, but that's, that's the, uh, you know, where we're called and it's not, you know, I shouldn't undersell it. It's just not, you know, uh, the, the sensationalistic, you know, uh, things it's, it's the, it's the trench work uh, of, of the priest, which is, you know, to care for your parishioners. And if in the care of your parishioners, you have to, uh, you know, do, uh, an exorcism or something like that. Again, the church has, you know, the means and, and the tools to do that. But, but uh, um, yes, let's not get distracted from, from uh, the daily, uh, uh, you know, ministry that we're called to. It seems like in that too, there's, um, you know, a, a, an analogy for um, the parishioner as well. You know, sometimes I get asked in parish ministry, you know, okay, how do I, you know, how do I prevent, you know, oppression or fixation or possession from happening? And generally, you know, the, the answer is, you know, be a, be a proficient, ordinary Christian, you know, um, be regular in your receiving of the sacrament, you know, be regular in confession, be regular in prayer, um, you know, be, you know, self-examining, live, live, live a proficient Christian life, um, and that is, you know, our baptisms are those are is is really that that exorcism of our lives and living out of that baptismal grace uh, in an ordinary way is uh, that is the you know that that is the best and 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 that covers most of the stuff right and um, but uh, I think you know you're in your description of the priesthood it's it's similar it's you know our ministry is is what it is you know the and then Christ, Christian vocation is what it is and when we are when we're in that that's that's the place where life is. And that's the place where, you know, uh, the, the service of our Lord who, who gives us, you know, security and freedom is, and, um, that's a, that's a good word for all of us. 
Well, Father, thanks so much for joining us. This was a this is a really interesting uh, discussion, I think. Um, but this also leads us uh, maybe on a on a on a lighter note, I guess, than uh, parish exorcism. This uh, kind of takes us to our favorite section, which is what we're into. Um, Father Matt, what have you been into? You can it could be anything—a board game, movie, TV show, doing something with your family, hiking, whatever. What are you into? Let's see. Um, boy, I'd like to think of just something really super holy. Uh, uh, I have been uh, in, in the evenings. I've uh, I've been uh, binging uh, uh, Reacher on on Amazon. That's uh, 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 kind of interesting. Uh, he he takes care of business, I guess, against the bad guys, and so that's that's a uh, that's interesting. And um, and I've been looking to see, uh, you know, now that we're Septuagesima, uh, looking to see what uh, I want to uh, recommend to others and for myself for for uh, holy reading. And so uh, I've been looking at uh, Dorothy Karen, The Living Touch. Um, and uh, I, uh, I'll commend that to, to, to people. Um, again, the tools of the church, the sacrament that healed her. Um, and so I've got that on my desk right now, just reread it for the first time in a few years, uh, just a little, little book. Um, and uh, so that's what I'm into. No, nothing wrong with the TV show here or there. Um, I think half the time when we say what we're into, it typically is something very like mundane and ordinary. Uh, Father Hayden, what are you into? Yeah, I'll, I'll follow Father Matt's uh, template there and uh, say first that uh, I've been rewatching um, uh, the old uh, show from the mid aughts, uh, House. Um, which is uh, Hugh Laurie. Um, I never really watched the entire series straight through and uh, had only seen sporadic episodes, but uh, watching it, uh, it, it's it's funny to kind of look back at the mid-aughts and particularly this show has a recurring um, visit to religious figures, religious characters that come on the show and generally they're props for uh, Hugh Laurie's um, very skeptical um, character to just smashed to pieces um i i do find it interesting to to look think back to that era and to the um, anxiety around rationalism and, and like and uh, and scientism um that that i kind of I, I heard you know in the christian sphere um and and it made me sort of long for those days because uh it seems like what we're kind of confronting in a in a cultural moment right now is a lot of the opposite of that it's it's not really like the the questions of science and faith so much as it's like it's like the faith versus a kind of recursive inward experience uh and and, and it's difficult to pin down and i i just thought about like oh wow this 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 feels dated now even though it's only been about 15 years since it came out and uh this kind of conflict on display kind of rang with a little bit of a dated vibe but it's been it's been fun it's it's well scripted and Hugh Laurie's a great actor so uh it was it was fun it's been fun to be in that uh, and then, uh, like Father Matt, I've been thinking about, you know, kind of what to focus on during uh, Lent and to recommend. And um, I've been re revisiting um, Bishop Jeremy Taylor's writings uh, lately, and um, and that's been a real, um, a, a real wonderful journey. 
Um, the one that I'm, I've been rereading through in this last couple of weeks has been Holy Dying. Um, and I think I might recommend that one to a few people for Lent uh, this year. Um, but it's just a beautiful um, meditation on on the Christian liturgy of dying. Uh, and so, uh, and what, what, you know, how to prepare for a good death um, in Christ. So those are some things on my my plate. I'll, I'll stick with the theme. Um, so TV show and then a book. Um, I've mentioned this before on the podcast, um, but Margaret Ann and I are watching the newest season of All Creatures Great and Small. Um, I have a really deep love and, and sort of nostalgia for the older version of All Creatures. Um, also the books and things I, my mother and I both really love those stories. And so we connect with them and I grew up watching them. So when the new season or the new series came out, I was really excited and it has not disappointed. It is fantastic start to finish. Um, it's, it's like a fun, funny, wholesome sort of experience. Um, but it also deals with some really interesting questions and some really, heavy um, social, cultural, personal issues. And I think they do it in a really uh, interesting way, sort of like Call the Midwife um, sort of engages with something very heavy, but it's also very uh, positive and kind of shows like uh, a, like that have a, have a soft spot in my heart. So um, been watching that and enjoying it a lot. And then... Um, it's sort of a similar way. I, I wasn't doing it specifically for the purpose of figuring out like Lenten reading or anything, um, but it's kind of turned turned into that. Uh, I I regularly go back to Imitation of Christ. It's sort of like a yearly read for me. Um, so Thomas Kempis's Imitation of Christ, and this year I was sort of reading through it, and decided that I wanted to go back and read uh, St. Francis de Sales' Introduction to the Devout Life, uh, which I haven't picked up since maybe my first year in seminary. Um, one, of, one of my favorite books, it's really, really good, but I just haven't picked it up in a while. And so pick that back up. And I think that is now going to become my sort of Lenten book. Um, so I'm, I'm, taking it little pieces at a time. Cause I know my, my impulse is to just like sit down and try to blast through the whole thing and finish it. And I'm like, no, no, I need to kind of take this in small mouthfuls rather than, um, sort of gorging myself on it. Uh, but yeah, so that's, that's kind of where that's what we've been up to. And we're, we're sort of patiently waiting the arrival of uh, little baby McElveen, to the fold, which could be any day now. Um, so I think in some ways that's what's occupying most of my thought right now is, uh, getting ready for that and kind of how things are going to change. But if you think uh, you're, if you think it's occupying you now, just wait, <laughs> oh, I, like a freight train, right? This is, this is the calm before the storm, <laughs> but a blessing, of course, yeah. but, but uh, we, uh, I'll tell you, I'll tell you what, we, 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 we timed it perfectly, uh, by, you know, Ash Wednesday and the beginning of Lent being like the due date. So here you go for Easter. Here's a baby. 
Didn't didn't really think about that one. Well, congratulations in advance. Yep. You're in my prayers. That's that's wonderful. Thank you. Yeah, we're we're excited. We're excited. Well, listeners, um, thank you for listening and watching our episodes. If you would like to follow us on Facebook or Twitter, you can uh, like and subscribe on YouTube. Uh, we're very close to a thousand subscribers there. So I think we're only 150 some odd away. So if you're interested, please do uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel and leave us a rating and a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you'd like to join our Discord or uh, get some access to some additional content, um, like during the summers and things, uh, you can join the Communion of Patreon Saints for just $5 a month. Father Matt, will you give us a blessing to close? Yes, the Lord be with you. And with thy spirit. Let us pray. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift his countenance upon you and give you peace, both now and evermore. Amen. Amen. Amen.